Hi, my name's Ken. I'm one of the co-pastors here with Emily. And um, as Christy was sharing, I just thought about in the Gospels that Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is buried in a field. Um, I thought, you know, for some people, that treasure buried in the field, it's buried in a, in a minefield. Um, and in order to get the treasure, it's like you have to go, go through a minefield at midnight. Um, and the, the bravery and the courage um, and the attractive power of the treasure in the middle of that field, it's, it's quite striking. And, and when we hear a witness like we heard uh, just a moment ago, I think um, it's quite, quite impressive. Jesus is quite impressive, and Christie's quite impressive. So, all right, this is a third in our six-part membership series. We have a membership series every every fall. I say every fall, like we have this long history. This is our second <laughs> membership series, um, and this six-parter we're doing four parts on um, pr- spiritual practices that can connect us positively with others. Uh, and then we'll do the final two will be on the vision and the, oh yes, mission of Blue Ocean Faith. Ronnie, my daughter-in-law, just is showing me my glasses. But, you know, when I think about it, that looks kind of cool up there. Uh, but anyway, um, two on vision and mission of uh, this particular church, Blue Ocean Faith. And uh, throughout this series, there will be um, membership letters on the welcome table. So that's how you signal your intention to become a member for 2017. Just go to the table, fill out the membership letter, and turn it in. And all of us are kind of in the same place for membership. Each year, we all renew our membership, or you're welcome to join for the first time. But it's a one-year renewable approach to membership that we take here at Blue Ocean Faith. So um, the... We also like to, from time to time, do a series that blends the wisdom of scripture and the wisdom of science. And this is one of those series we're using a book called Wired to Connect. Um, Wired to Connect um, talks about four distinct brain systems that are needed or activated in good relationships. Uh, Four uh, distinct neural pathways that allow us to experience calm in relationships, uh, acceptance, what's called a resonance, which is our topic today, and energy, positive energy in our relationships. And the idea is that bad relationships, toxic relationships, actually inhibit our ability to experience the goodness in good relationships. But uh, the brain can heal, which is, uh, there's a dual witness to this. Scripture speaks about this healing, and science now, in the last 50 years, is talking about it. in scripture, the classic uh, text on, on the ability of the brain to change over time is Romans 12, verse 1 to 3. Listen to this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Bodies are our spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern, tell, perceive what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and pleasing or perfect. So notice two things in this little paragraph of scripture. One is the God connection happens in and through our bodies, which are holy and acceptable to God. They don't become holy and acceptable to God. They are holy and acceptable to God. So all this cultural boo-honky 
that makes us all critical toward our own bodies has nothing to do with God. That comes from what the Bible describes as the Satan, which is, you can understand that as a personal thing or an impersonal force. The Satan just means the accuser, the criticizer. Secondly, notice in this text that our minds, as part of our bodies, are physically altered by our experiences in this world. They conform to the pattern of this world, but they can also be transformed, changed, altered, renewed uh, by connection with God. So when this happens, um, the text says we perceive, we discern, we experience the goodness and the beauty around us more clearly, more vividly. So we're talking about resonance today, one, one, of, the, one of the four uh, brain systems that helps us connect in a positive way with other people. Uh, resonance, what's that um, in terms of the neuroscience? Well, neuroscience tells us that, and this is like in the last maybe 10, 15, 20 years this has come out, that the brain has a powerful mirroring system. Scientists used to talk about mirror neurons, but it turns out they're not just particular neurons, but they're, it's a complex system called the mirror, mirroring system in the brain. And we are able to connect with others at a deep level, at an emotional level, because our brains automatically mirror what we see in people that we're connected to and relating with. So when I pay attention to something that is going on with you, the same regions that are lighting up your brains that are having you do that thing also light up in my brain uh, in a milder form. And that gives me an approximate like insider knowledge of what is going on with you. So when you're raising your right hand, the, the mirroring in my brain sends the same signals that are involved in me raising my right hand. They're, thankfully, they're, they're milder than they are in you, so we're not all constantly just uh, imitating each other very obviously. But um, when my mirror system is engaged, if I notice you in distress, I don't have to think, I just, I feel your distress in, in my own brain. If I notice you smile or laugh, my brain automatically stimulates me to smile or to laugh. The mirroring system, this is what gives us the capacity to feel with other people. And it helps us resonate with others. And resonance is a, is a big quality in good relationships. Um, Romans 12, the text I just cited a few verses later, shows the um, effects of this mirroring uh, in relationships when Paul says, love one another with mutual affection, like reciprocal, back and forth affection. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This is mirroring behavior in Romans 12, verse 10 and 12. Today we're going to talk about... Um, changing our brains so that we can resonate more with others, so that we can experience the goodness in connection through this resonance system. So, well, Christy's story, you know, you can imagine, you can, uh, we can find ourselves in situations that weaken our mirror system, um, which decreases our capacity to experience resonance. How, for example? Well, imagine that you were, oh, just to take a random example out of the blue, you were an ardent Bernie supporter during the primaries, and now you are a supporter. <laughs> because I, I, you're a Facebook friend of mine, I have to know. <laughs> and now you support Hillary. Now, imagine that all of your extended family 
members were ardent Trump supporters and your family holidays, the culture of your family, is to talk about politics throughout the family holiday, like some families talk about music or other families talk about sports. You like recreationally, your family system talks about politics. So over that long weekend, that four day weekend, uh, there's this on and off political banter uh, and during that banter, like, you're the only Hillary supporter, you're likely to withdraw from the conversation going on around you. You're going to unconsciously mask your facial expressions, and you will feel more remote and disconnected from your family. You'll also feel less understood by your family members. As soon as you get home, what will you do? You will get together with your closest Hillary friend and you will watch the debates tonight. You know? And, and it, why will it feel so good to be with that friend? Because someone is at long last resonating emotionally with you. They're laughing at the things that you're laughing at. They're mad, they're sad, they're disgusted at the things you are. If, if you could film the two of you, you, you would be mimicking each other's facial expressions, the raised eyebrow, the smile, the frown, whatever that your mirror system is doing all of that and it feels great and it helps you connect with other people. What's happening in your brain? Well, over that long family weekend, your resonance mirror system pathways will be starved and the nerves won't be firing. During that time, these pathways will actually shrink a little bit. They'll become weaker. The connections between the nerves that form those pathways will be weaker connections as a result even of those four days. And you will feel yourself, as I said, shutting down emotionally, going into hiding within your own family, masking your true feelings and emotions. By contrast, that time with your friend, if you could do a little brain, um, you know, uh, invisible uh, take a look at what's going on in your brain, you'd see that those same mirroring systems that were shrinking before are lighting up, they're active, and the connections are actually strengthening between the nerves that form that pathway. And these strengthened pathways will help you in the future feel more connected, more resonant with other people. So investing in resonant relationships increases our capacity to connect with others, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn, to love with mutual affection. So in the, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, there are two sets of relationships that stand out as highly resonant relationships. Um, there's a lot of um, rivalry in the biblical relationships. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. In the marriages, you know, there's concubines and there's other wives and there's tension. A lot of the marriages aren't, they're not very romantic and connected. They're kind of functional and people, you know, it's, it's really fascinating to see how the Hebrew Bible depicts human relationships. But there are two sets of relationships that stand out as highly resonant relationships. And the relationships between individuals that shouldn't ordinarily have those kind of deep emotional bonds. One is Naomi and Ruth in the book of Ruth. And the other is David and Jonathan in the books of First and Second Samuel. If you're ever running for president, say Second Samuel, not Two Samuel. Um, <laughs> The book of Ruth is a, is a short little book, it's about six short chapters, 
Uh, it's highly readable. It's, just, it's all story. It's about a mother-in-law named Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Uh, both um, are in a state of relational poverty when we, they are introduced in the book of Ruth. A drought has sent Naomi and her husband and two sons into the neighboring nation of Moab, a nation that is known to be hostile to Israel. Uh, and you can imagine, you know, when you're in another country, you don't feel resonance. The language is different. People laugh at different jokes and you feel a little bit, little bit more remote, a little less connected when you're in a foreign land. Um, in Moab, Naomi also loses her husband and her two sons, leaving her with two Moabite daughters-in-law. So there's this uh, ethnic barrier between Naomi and her daughters-in-law. But something beautiful and unexpected happens uh, between Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. They form a highly resonant relationship despite the ethnic obstacles. Uh, Naomi returns to Israel because it's the only place she can go. The drought is over in Israel. She needs to be with people who accept and welcome and resonate with her. She's in mourning. She doesn't expect her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to return with her because, you know, that would be asking a lot of Ruth to go into this, um, what would to be Ruth be a more hostile cultural environment. And nevertheless, in this beautiful hymn to resonance, um, Ruth tells Naomi, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It's mirroring language even. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. She feels deeply emotionally connected to Naomi. The book of Ruth ends with the birth of Obed to Ruth and Boaz, who uh, meet up and they have a very resonant relationship as well. Um, Obed is the father of Jesse, who is the father of King David, yes. And, and this is introduced at the very end of the book of Ruth. It leads to First and Second Samuel, which features another unusual and highly resonant relationship between David and Jonathan. It's unusual because, it, again, it runs against type. Jonathan is the firstborn son of the first king, uh, Saul, who is, and so Jonathan would, by rights, be heir to the throne, right? Uh, but David has been chosen prophetically by Samuel to replace Saul, who's been a bad king. So David and Jonathan should be fierce rivals, but instead, they become fast friends, even before the kingship issue is resolved. And their friendship is rich with emotional resonance. Jonathan and David uh, contrast sharply with a lot of the intense rivalries uh, that are so characteristic of peer relationships in the Hebrew Bible. And much more than drinking buddies. You know, I love that um, old beer commercial. Um, I don't know, a lot of you probably haven't seen commercials. It was on television. They would have like programs and then sit through the commercials and all the, well, the Super Bowl. You might have seen these at the Super Bowl, but, but there's this great uh, commercial where, where uh, two guys are sitting and they're, they're sitting on a dock. I don't know, they're fishing, they're doing guy things. And one of the guys has a beer and the other guy looks over him and says, uh, the guy without the beer says, I love you, man. And the other guy looks at him pulls his beer and says, uh, I love you too, but you're not getting my Bud Light. You know, so that's like a, that's like a semi-emotionally resonant relationship. <laughs> um, 
But David and Jonathan have a rich emotional connection. First uh, Samuel 18. Now it came about that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. That's like a mutual agreement or contract because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So he's like making a move to de-intensify the rivalry between them by giving him these signs of his uh, authority as an heir. When Saul and Jonathan are killed, this is in uh, 2 Samuel, in battle, uh, they're killed on the same day, and D David offers this beautiful lament that's, that's dripping with love, both for, for Saul, the king, that he was really an enemy to by that time, but also Jonathan. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You've been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. So David's family leads to Messiah Jesus, right? Jesus is the son of David. Uh, and Jesus is one who just seems to foster resonant, rich friendships wherever he goes. Um, Jesus seems to have had a particularly close friendship with a group, group of three siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They weren't typical disciples who followed Jesus wherever he went, but they, they stayed in place, and Jesus, when he came to town, would hang out with them and have a meal with them and spend time. It, seems, it, it was like a place where Jesus could let down his hair, it felt to me in the Gospel of John, as that connection is depicted. Um, when Lazarus dies, um, Martha is angry and she's grieving. And she, she travels to tell Jesus. And Jesus responds instantly by bursting into um, the, the Greek term that's used for weeping. is like wailing, mourning, sobbing. So his initial, immediate response is a completely emotionally resonant response. That was the nature of their friendship, their relationship. A little bit more subtly, I love in John chapter 1, the call of Nathaniel. Jesus is gathering his first disciples. And Philip, uh, an early adopter disciple, tells Nathaniel, his friend, about Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel replies with a classic group-shaming bigotry. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? When Jesus runs into Nathanael, he says, Nathanael, a true Israelite in whom there is no deception. And Nathanael replies, where did you get to know me? And follows Jesus immediately, despite this ethnic uh, bigotry that would have otherwise prevented him. So I love that Nathaniel leads with rivalry in his response, first response to Jesus. Jesus just turns the other cheek, though, and he, he kind of ignores the shadow side of Nathaniel, and he sees in Nathaniel the potential for good, and he names it. And with that like resonant move, he just totally wins Nathaniel's heart. This is classic. Jesus, other people, interaction. Um, the people who encountered Jesus felt known by Jesus. They felt known by Jesus. They, they felt, a, and feeling known is part of the resonance 
system. You know, as a, a pastor, I kind of like, I really keep my ear out for people's um, spiritual experiences. Uh, people have all sorts of spiritual experiences all the time, but in our culture we don't have a language for it, and we don't have words for it, and they kind of, they happen, and then they kind of evaporate, and so when someone will indicate that they had one of those kind of wispy spiritual experiences, I'll say, well, well, tell me more about that, like, where were you when that happened, and what was going on, and what did it feel like, and, and when a person stops and pauses and pays attention to the memory of that experience, they can often pull out more details that they're, they're not like grasping even in the moment. And I've noticed after just collecting, you know, thousands of these kinds of interactions that people have where they have an experience of God, the most common thread is that in those moments, people feel known and understood by God. And their feeling known and understood is not because they're like their Facebook self with God, uh, but God sees their, their whole self. And though even though there are some things that the person's ashamed of, being known by this God in that way makes them feel good. They feel good being known by this God. Um, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, a classic example, she had this experience after one conversation with Jesus, she runs back to her village and says, come see the one who told me everything I ever did. And she's excited about it, even though she had quite a dicey past. <laughs> he didn't tell her everything he did, but he had one conversation where he kind of expressed some knowledge that he shouldn't have had about her, but he did have. Just like intuit, he intuited it about her and he shared it with her. And, and it wasn't even a positive thing from her perspective, but she felt known by this man. And being known by this figure was like a great good feeling. She, she sensed that he was with her and accepted her. And it established this resonant bond between Jesus and those that Jesus uh, called to himself. So for some practices here. I want to distill this into some. Let's see how many we got here. Um, three practices. Um, so these are um, scientifically intelligent practices, according to Wired to Connect, and they're also um, they, they fit very much with spiritual practices and the wisdom of of faith. So the first practice would be if you've ever had an experience, like I just described, of feeling known um, or understood or accepted by God. Um, call that to mind. Um, you know, um, it might have just happened in a, in a worship song. It might be kind of a wispy experience. It might be as much a feeling as anything else, but try to, um, try to think of a time when you were, had this feeling of being known and understood by God, and then um, describe that experience to yourself uh, by writing it down. See if you can flesh out any of the details. Where, where did, what was the context in which that happened? Is there anything looking back that triggered it, and what did that experience feel like? And then use that experience that you've kind of committed to paper or have um, made clear in your mind as a go-to memory to strengthen those resonance pathways in your brain. 
So when you're feeling kind of disconnected from people or not understood or maybe not understood by God or distant from, go to that memory and just spend a little time with it. A minute, two minutes, three minutes, calling it to mind. Maybe call it to mind before you go to sleep at night. And that, that, that simple activity will actually do something in your brain. It will strengthen your resonance pathways and it will help you to have that feeling of resonance with God, which is a, a very good thing. Um, second practice. Um, if a lot of your core relationships, especially with family members, are conflicted, I mean, um, Christy told about you know, being one of seven kids, one daughter among seven kids in a family, didn't, didn't understand who she was in a core level. If, if you have a lot of your core relationships are, are like that, um, make a point to increase the proportion of time spent with people who know you and like you. I mean, I, I was speaking with someone recently she estimated that like 98% of the people in her world didn't really know her and like her because of um, an issue in her life. 98% of the people. And I thought, oh my gosh, you are amazingly well put together for, for dealing with that. Like, like over the next year, we need to like switch that to 80-20, you know? <laughs> Like 80-20, that you could probably handle because you're obviously very robust in this. You've developed this muscle in your life dealing with rejection or lack of acceptance, but, but uh, oh, 98-2, that's not good. Um, so if, you, if a lot of your core relationships are conflicted, be intentional about increasing the proportion of time spent with people who know you and like you. I say like advisedly because your family members will love you but I'm talking about like you like smile when you smile like get you like enjoy your company um, that might mean for a time you need to limit your contact with the people who aren't in that category and increase it look for it pay attention foster nurture the relationships where that is uh, part of the connection. That is actually one of the best things you can do to strengthen your resonance pathways. Simply spending time with people who get you will, um, will do that and that will make your brain better able to resonate with others and connect with others at a more uh, emotional level. You'll be able to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, be a better friend to other people, etc. Okay, third, um, if you grew up in a family system that is low on resonance, um, maybe it's a, a family with an alcoholic member, um, um, you know, like classic um, dysfunctional things that happen in family systems, chances are that you learn to mute or distrust or ignore your own feelings. Um, because your family system wasn't a safe place to bring out fe uh, feelings. You had to be super careful, you know, walking on eggshells mutes your feelings. You may have even learned how to mask your feelings on uh, emotional expression on your face. Um, a simple way to overcome this is to learn to identify and name feelings. Like just learning to identify 
and name feelings helps you in those uh, pathways. Um, I know um, uh, in my, my uh, I got married uh, really young and my, my first wife who died in 2012, um, she, she was um, emotionally robust, like she felt things very strongly. And in the first years of marriage, I just remembered like, she would express a strong feeling and I would have like this feeling of panic, like, oh crap, man, she's, whoa, how am I gonna handle this? And it was just a normal range of human emotion, but in my family, like, you, like, you, like you, you, didn't, you didn't do that. And so it was like distressing to me and it was super helpful for me to learn, oh, Nancy's having a feeling. <laughs> you know, and it's coming and it will pass through her and it's not like the, the, her, her state for eternity now, you know, and like I can just remain calm and I can watch it pass and I, I could even let myself feel that feeling so that I could connect with her and we'd all be fine. It would, it would all work out uh, really well. So there are six basic like feeling groups, happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, and surprise. So in every culture, and, and you know, you can, you can tie facial expressions to this, these are like the six basic human emotions. Happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, surprise. Let me just repeat that one more time. Happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, surprise. But each one of those is like a family of feelings. So you want to move from like the elementary recognizing happiness, sadness, anger, fear, disgust, surprise to the gradations within that. So the happy family of feelings, you know, the mild to more um, strong expressions of that would be contentment, gladness, happiness, serenity, joy, elation, bliss, euphoria. <laughs> that's that's quite, a, quite a gradation, isn't it? Some nice words. Sad, disappointment, hurt, melancholy, sadness, gloom, despair. Lots of variations of sad, angry. This is a really important one. Most of the time we just say, how are you doing? Like, I'm stressed. Usually you mean kind of like anxious or, or angry. So specifying really helps. Annoyance irritation, frustration, anger, rage, fury, uh, fearful, worry, nervousness, anxiety, helplessness, fear, alarm, panic, terror, all in the fearful family, disgusted, uh, contempt, disgust, revulsion, loathing, surprise, surprise, shock, amazement, astonishment, so I don't know, what are there, 20 words there? And you know, yeah, this sounds kind of like, oh, this sounds like a marriage retreat I don't want to be in, is what the men are thinking, you know? Uh, <laughs> but this actually helps your emotional intelligence a great deal. Actually, when children learn to simply identify and label their own feelings and the feelings of others in a more fine-tuned way, it is like huge for their emotional intelligence. They're less overwhelmed by their emotions. They're more at ease with the emotions of others. And they're going to do better at Ross Business School, which is really the reason you want to do it. No. Um, 
the book of Psalms, actually reading the book of Psalms, um, the book of Psalms is evidence of God's ease with the full range of human emotion. And it's kind of a fun exercise to like read through the Psalms, read maybe two or three Psalms a day, and don't, don't worry too much about what it all means or how it all connects to this, that, or the other, but just pay attention to the feelings that are expressed in the Psalms and see if you can name them in that more fine-tuned way. You might even just take a pencil and you know, write it in the, in the margins. That exercise will help your resonance pathways and increase your emotional intelligence, which in turn will help you to experience the goodness of God that is to be found in our human connections. So, for our quiet reflection time, take a couple of minutes at the end of most of the sermons just for you to be able to absorb and have a couple of minutes of quiet. And I'll just recommend you might use this time um, to call to mind uh, a specific relationship in which you have felt known and understood. Um, it could be like a, an experience of God. It could be um, uh, your, uh, a connection to a grandparent or a teacher or a coach or a friend. Um, could be any time in your life. It could be a pet. Dogs can be quite emotionally resonant with their masters. They get troubled when their masters are worried and they get sad when their masters are sad and they get kind of excited when they're... I really shouldn't be using that, that hierarchical dominance language of master with dogs. No, I, what do I, what's the, you're a vet. Owner? I don't like owner. Owner sounds to me like, that doesn't sound good. How about human companion? Okay, okay, we'll solve, we'll solve this later, but you'll get the, get the, but um, yeah, so just, just take a, we'll take a couple of minutes, try to first identify a relationship or connection in which you felt known and understood, and then just sit with that and the feelings of that relationship, and uh, try to flesh that out to uh, help your resonance pathway.
All right.